0: Hello and welcome to We Random, episode 28 for February 26, 2021. Hey, you know, B, I bought some shoes the other day from a drug dealer, and I don't know what he laced them with, but I was tripping all day. More after this.
1: Almost qualified productions. Let's get crazy! Experts don't have this much fun. Welcome to We Random, episode 28. I'm Brian. That's Christopher. Say hello to the people, Christopher.
0: Hello, everybody.
1: Man, that joke was more atrocious than my beer pour, but (laughs) we don't need to talk about either of those things right now. What we are going to talk about is we're going to welcome you in to another episode of We Random. We are recording today on February 26th, and our random Wheel of Doom has lots of great topics for you. We're going to find out who's mad at who again. We're going to find out if we have the weekly We Random Dick. We're going to find out about (laughs) lots of other things. And maybe, just maybe, we've got a feel-good topic on this wheel as well. So, Christopher, before we get to any of these topics, do you have any thoughts, words of wisdom, or other insights to share with the people?
0: I just think we need more of the feel good stuff. I think that needs to be our focus going forward. Other than that, I got nothing.
1: All right. Well, let's spin the wheel and see if we get the feel good topic right away.
0: All right, here we go. It's spinning up. Well,
1: <laughs> by your laughter, I'm going to guess no. <laughs> uh
0: no. No, this is this is our favorite person. In so, the news, being an asshole again.
1: So, as in the vein of people being mad at Ninja, people are mad at Marjorie Taylor Greene again. So Marjorie Taylor Greene is back in the news after a contentious debate on the Equality Act, which would extend civil rights protections to the LGBTQ plus community. A uh, representative, Marie Newman, on Wednesday, raised a transgender pride flag outside of her office, which happens to sit directly across from the office of Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene was one of the bill's most vocal opponents. Greene quickly responded to uh, what Rep. Newman did by posting a video mocking Newman's earlier tweet as she hung up a poster that said, There are two genders, male and female. Trust the science. This exchange quickly went viral, leading critics to accuse Green of cruelty directly aimed at Newman's family. Now, one thing that's important to know is that in Newman's family, there is an individual who identifies as transgender. So um, Newman's fellow Illinois Democrat, Sean Caston, called Green's poster sickening, pathetic, and unimaginably cruel. He says, this hate is exactly why the Equality Act is necessary and what we must protect All of our LGBTQ plus loved ones against. So there's more about this, such as many Republicans from moderates like Mitt Romney to Green opposed the bill and argue that it would threaten religious liberties. Some have also claimed that the bill would roll back protections for women by allowing transgender individuals to participate in sports and extending discrimination protections based on gender identity rather than biological sex. So One of the uh, other individuals, Ted Liao from California, challenged Green for citing science in her claim that only two genders exist. Liao writes, your sign is incorrect because it's not what the science says. He quoted a Scientific America column that concluded, the science is clear and conclusive. Sex is not binary. Transgender people are real. So one of the things that we've learned about this bill is that it did pass through the House, but now it needs to move to the Senate. Where it may be challenged with a filibuster if the Democratic um, senators cannot convince ten other Republicans to join them. So, Christopher, I'm gonna guess that you have lots of thoughts about this topic, so I'm gonna mute myself and let you go. You know, this is this is where I'm gonna start. Just be fucking consistent.
0: Like that's that's all I'm asking. Just be fucking consistent, right? Because, you know, all of these motherfuckers are out there spending their Sundays on their knees praying to their fake God. And yet now they say, well, we only really want to talk about the science. You can't have it both. With, like, like, get off. Like, oh, my God, I don't even know how to speak words at this point. I'm so agitated and angry and pissed off at these fucking people. And this specific situation, I mean, the bill. I mean, there's tons of things that we can say about, you know, this proposed bill. and. And, and people fighting to uh, keep people from being able to be recognized for who they are, which is fucking atrocious to begin with. But just this act, this first of all, this woman's a fucking piece of shit to begin with. And, and you know what? I'm trying not to get angry and I'm trying not to call people names, but she's a fucking piece of shit. She's showing it time and time again. We've got a woman who hangs up a flag and this is something deeply personal to her. Her daughter is transgender for God's sake. Like this is something that's that that is deeply personal to her, and then what does this woman do right across the hall? She puts up this offensive sign, and Brian and I had a bit of a conversation about this earlier this week, and we were talking about like does this does this qualify as hate speech does it not and i I need to look up the uh the definition that I had because I think the definition was very important hate speech defined as abusive or threatening speech or writing that expresses prejudice against a particular group, especially on the basis of race, religion, or sexual orientation. So that's exactly what this is. This is hate speech that has been allowed to be put up in, what is this, the fucking U.S. Capitol or whatever it is, right across the fucking hall from this woman. We're allowing this to happen. Now, what if she had put up a swastika? Would we be okay with that? I'm thinking we probably wouldn't be, but for this, we're okay. What if she had put up that, uh, you know... Black Lives Matter is a terrorist organization. Would we be okay with that? Probably not, but this we're we're okay with? I mean, this is the fact that this woman, first of all, is as stupid as she is, the fact that she is such a downright piece of shit that she is, the fact that she's attacking people in the way that she is, this is just unconscionable. I mean, you would think she would have fucking learned when she got booted off the fucking committee that she was on because of her running her goddamn mouth and showing stupid videos and all of that. She doesn't learn. And the problem is, is this is the poster child for the QAnon fuck ups that are all over this goddamn country. They're the ones who got her into fucking office. So the fact that there are people that are this blind and this stupid, and, and that there are enough other blind, stupid people to, to lift these individuals up into public office. I, how do you not lose hope with this fucking country and with humans as a species? Cause I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm at my wit's end, man.
1: Yeah. So, and kind of you alluded to the fact that we had a conversation. I really wanted to do some research because my first thought was like, well, people will go and say, well, this is her first amendment right to post this and say this and do whatever she wanted to do. So I went and did some research and I found under the current first amendment uh, information, hate speech can only be criminalized when it directly incites imminent criminal activity or consists of specific threats of violence targeted against a person or group. Now, the other thing about the First Amendment is it's kind of like wishy-washy if it actually protects, you know, gender identity and not just like sex, religion, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the hard part here. And I think that's part of the problem is that, so as an example, um, the individual who put up the information about her transgender flag, Facebook took that down and said, oh, that's hate speech. Like, you can't do that. But they left, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene's post up. And then as soon as it was brought to Facebook's attention, like, hey, you took this other lady's post down, they were like, oh, we're sorry, that shouldn't have happened. Like, we can't take either of these posts down. And it's like, people don't want to take a stand on this because they don't want to necessarily get in the middle. And I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, we're in this weird limbo where people will use the First Amendment to say, well, we can have a discourse and we can discuss this and we need to be able to talk about these things. But when you're basically spreading things that are hateful and harmful to other people, what is the benefit to discussing those, I guess, is my question.
0: Well, and that's the thing. Like, you cannot... Under any circumstance, with any ounce of fucking intelligence, look at what this woman did and say that she did not do this with hate in her heart. She did not do this specifically to cause a ruckus and to be hateful towards the person across the hall. If you haven't seen the video, she legit puts up the fucking sign, turns around, and and she fucking does one of these things. That is, it is 100%... What, what her, what her intention was, was to just, to spread that hate against somebody else. That's what she was doing. There's, there's, I don't care if you say it's, it's not illegal and that it's not against the, the, the fucking first amendment. Okay, great. But it doesn't mean that she's not a fucking asshole and that she's inciting hate. Now, nobody in the Capitol is going to say, oh my God, look at that. I'm going to start a fight and punch someone in the face. No, but, but this is some, this, this is part of the problem with our fucking country. Is that people just share their hate, which I'm doing right now. I'm I'm not I'm not unaware of that situation. But people just share this fucking hate for for people because of what they are, and that's the difference, right? I I may be very very angry and spreading very hateful comments based on what somebody is doing, what they're choosing to do to make it to to impact other people, and that's the difference. This is someone who is spreading hate for somebody just because of who they fucking are. Because they don't like it because they don't understand it because, because it's not their way of living. So obviously it must mean that it's wrong and it, and and I should be able to hate that for all that I want. It's,
1: it's, it's disgusting, man. Right. And the, there's a couple pieces to this. Number one, I had mentioned to you, this is kind of a taking the high road versus taking the low road situation, She obviously took the low road in the situation. She didn't need to respond in the way that she did. And then in the way that she responded, it was very sarcastic. And this even goes back to like the COVID stuff, like trust the science. Like she's basically trying to poke fun at that too. But then the other thing about this that really astounds me is the people that are bringing all of this like religious considerations into this. So let me get this straight. You want me as a person to be totally okay with the fact that you believe in God and that there's a universe that's completely created by this one person and everything that happens in this entire universe is based on what this one guy did. But it's not okay for someone to feel that the sex that they were assigned at birth is not what identifies them, you can't have one and not the other. If you want people to respect your opinions and your feelings and your beliefs, then you also need to respect other people's feelings, opinions, and beliefs. It's not a me, 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 only my things matter society, but that's the society that we live in. And to me, that's the problem.
0: I mean, I would argue that the problem is that people believe in an invisible fucking guy who sits in the sky and waves his magic wand and shit happens. But that's just my personal opinion.
1: Right. But again, like my whole thought about this is if you want to believe that and that makes your life better and you're not making anybody else's life worse.
0: But that's that's the key. That's the key. How many of these individuals are not trying to impose that will on other people? That's the problem. Like if you want to if you want to worship your invisible man you know, and, and hop around naked in the woods or whatever the fuck that it is that you want to do, go ahead and do that. I don't care. But as soon as you turn around and you want to start to put rules and laws on other people, on women's bodies, for God's sake, because you believe that this invisible man in the sky wouldn't want that, you're, you're being an asshole. You, you cannot impose your beliefs on another person. You can't do that, but that's what they do. That's what so many of them do. And that's what the lawmakers do. You know, they, 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 they hold themselves so staunchly to their religious beliefs, they don't, then that's, and that's the irony behind this fucking sign. I guess that's where I'd bring it full circle. That's the irony behind this sign is because they don't fucking believe the science. Go ask this woman what she thinks about global warming. And I guarantee you that she's going to say climate change doesn't exist. There's no science, but, th- but there is science backing it up. Believe that science. How about that?
1: Yeah, let's stop talking about her because, you know, we're, we're, we've kind of, like you said, we've come full circle and I think we've said all that we can say. That's nice.
0: We might have to, we might have to institute a no more whatever the fuck her name is on the show because, God, she fucking irritates me. I'm spinning the wheel, getting her out of my, out of my, oh, I'm done with it.
1: I mean, this is kind of our meme, though. Like we have somebody who's mad at somebody again and then there's obviously yeah. somebody who comes up and they're a jerk. So. What do you got for me on the wheel here?
0: I spun the wheel, and this is an interesting one because I didn't put this out here, and uh, I have an interesting take that you're not going to believe. Apparently, there are some leaks about the iPhone 13.
1: There were some leaks about the iPhone 13. So, that thud that you heard was all of the people who just bought the new iPhone throwing their phone because they realized that their phone is soon about to be out of date. So... In a new video, popular YouTuber Everything Apple Pro has teamed up with leaker Max Weinbach to reveal multiple upgrades that Apple is planning to make with the iPhone 13. Some of the upgrades designing, er, include a new design where Apple will refine the back of the iPhone with a more grippy texture that will be slightly more comfortable to hold. They, um, the individual says that it will be akin to the finish on Google's Pixel series. The iPhone is also going to be moving to a pro display, which will be similar to the display on Samsung's Galaxy S21 lineup. The iPhone also plans to upgrade the photography, including finally moving to having, what was it, portrait photography, or what is this? I couldn't, I lost it, but yeah, it's portrait video is finally happening. Now, another thing that is interesting, and this is something that I didn't know, there are some concerns with MagSafe as one area that people have found out is that currently the way that MagSafe works, it has actually been known to deactivate pacemakers and defibrillators if the phone is held close to the chest, but Apple is actually planning to make the magnet stronger in the (laughs) iPhone 13. So, based on what you know about these possible updates does this make you excited not excited or completely you know holding on to your phone for dear life christopher
0: well i mean you're asking the wrong person because we all know that i upgrade my phone which i always get an iphone Uh, i upgrade it every year regardless and 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 to your first point anybody who's surprised that there's a new iphone coming out in september they haven't been around on the earth for the last 11 or 12 years or whatever it's been because it happens every year, right? New iPhone in September. Um, sometimes they only announce it in September and they launch it in October, November, but it's always a, every year. Um, and here's the thing that, that you probably will find surprising is this wasn't my article and uh, I didn't know anything about this. I really generally don't go in on the leaks a whole lot because half the time they're they're not right and the other half of the time... Yeah, I'll just wait until what Apple tells me. But I did kind of read through this a little bit. And uh, uh, just kind of going over some of the things you mentioned. So the design, it looks like it's pretty much kind of going to be the same. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a grippy texture. Great. I always put a case on it because they're too damn slick to begin with. So it means nothing to me. Um, why is my screen moving? Uh, the Pro Display. So I do like this. The fact that they're moving to ProMotion and 120 hertz is going to make the screen look freaking superb. And this is something that uh, the newest Galaxy has. So that's super, super awesome. Um, what else do we got? Photography. So, yeah, it looks like there's some updates with photography. And I think Brian just moved my article on me, so now I can't read it anymore. Um, I don't know where it's at. It disappeared. So, yeah, so I guess the long and short of it is, um, there isn't anything that sounds earth-shattering to me. Yeah, the screen being a little bit better is great. Um, but for me personally, big deal. Like I like what am I gonna do? Watch a watch a full length Hollywood movie on my phone. I know that some people do, and for that, yeah, it's great. But I'd also argue that the screen the way it is now is is pretty damn good. Um I think here's here's the problem, and and then I'll let you go with your with your comments is we are cell phones and they have been for a couple of years, are kind of at their peak. Like they they've they've reached about the best that they can do. And and that happened probably two or three years ago, right? So, you know, you got the face ID, um, now maybe touch ID through the glass, big deal. I think Samsung might be able to do that. You know, the cameras get a little bit better. They add three or four cameras to the back of the thing. Pretty soon the back is going to be all cameras. Um, You know, the software gets a little bit better, so you can do more things. You can record um, with the Apple, you can record in, in Dolby video. And then I believe the new samsung can do 8k or something which which is great but nobody has a fucking 8k monitor so who the fuck cares they can't watch it anyway um it's just stuff like that they just kind of keep the ante on those anteing up on those little things that don't really make any big, any difference to anybody because they have to have something new because they want people like me to buy a new phone every year the reason i do it is because I'm the upgrade program and it doesn't cost me anything so um i think that's the biggest thing that's that's what the news should be the news should be is that Phones are kind of last year, not even last year, they're like five years ago. And the interesting thing is going to be, what is that next iteration, right? So, you know, we talk about the Apple Watch, I think is one and and Samsung has their watches as well. Um, The AirPods, I think there's um, probably some sort of wearable that is like AR and that kind of thing. So you're going to kind of wear your phone as opposed to carrying it. I think whatever that next iteration is, that's what I'm excited to find out. But until then... There really isn't a whole lot that they can do to the phones that's just gonna get me super excited software software could be updated quite a bit, so you can do that, but hardware wise let me see what comes after cell phones. then I'll get excited,
1: yeah, I feel like stuff like Google Glass was maybe like five years ahead of its time because I feel like this would be the point where maybe you could do some of those like glasses where you could push stuff to glasses and then it might be mm-hmm. a little bit more vogue in that way, but like back in you know like the late 2010s like it was just a little bit too early and there wasn't a whole lot of like the cool stuff that you could do with it but yeah it'll
0: be interesting to see what they do with that because i think that's kind of where it's going to go and and you'll have to figure it out right like is it is it just going to be glasses because like for me that big fucking deal i already have glasses so what do i have to put them in this glass how does that work i I think there's some interesting things that could be done there um if and you know i watch a ton of sci-fi so you see interesting things um one of, the, one of the shows that I watched recently that uh, a futurist that I follow a lot, um, she was a technical advisor on it. And it was really just about audio. Like you always are connected via audio. So it's very similar to what we have with our Echo devices, right? Or, you know, the uh, Siri devices or whatever the case may be where you can just say, hey, I got this question. Can you answer for me? Or, hey, you know, phone assistant, <laughs> I want to call Brian. And, and it just pops up and says, okay, I'm calling Brian. And then you just sit there and talk and you don't need to have your phone in your hand. We're getting close to those things. It's just taking all those pieces and putting them into a different form factor, and that's going to be the really interesting stuff.
1: Yeah, so I think you're right. Like This isn't a substantial upgrade, but I mean, it's going to be enough for people who maybe were still on the 10 or maybe folks who were on the you know 11 and didn't make the move to the 12 to maybe move up kind of that's where i was like i was on the 10 and i was like all right i'm coming up to the 12 now so yeah i won't I, be going up to the 13
0: i think that obviously i'll i'll hold i'll hold my my re, i'll reserve my opinions until apple actually re- releases what's going to be in the device and then you know it, it, they always do it on a tuesday in september so some friday in september probably the second re- friday in september We'll do a show. We'll talk about all the iPhone stuff. And, and what I will almost guarantee that I will say is if you've purchased an iPhone in the last two years, you don't need it. Stick with what you've got because it'll be perfectly fine.
1: And then you'll also say, Steve Apple, give me my phone. Yeah. Tim Apple. Tim
0: Apple, give me my phone. Yeah. I'll uh, Cause I'll get the phone that next Friday probably. But that's because I'm, you know, I do the upgrade thing and I love the tech stuff and I love to get the new stuff and play around with it. But but honestly, most people don't want that. They just want a phone that will do what the fuck they want it to do, and now fuck up. And if that's what you want, the phone you've got from three years ago is probably perfectly fine.
1: That's fair. Well, let's see if we can move on to another perfectly fine app.
0: Yeah, that one, that one didn't get me too angry, so that's a start. See, this one I didn't even read, so I'm going to have to do some reading while you're describing why we're talking about potato heads.
1: All right, so... Mr. Potato Head has lost his salutation. So after decades, Mr. Potato Head, the plastic spud toy brand, will embrace a new, more inclusive identity with its packaging. The toy company Hasbro will drop the Mr. part of the logo with the change set to appear on boxes later in 2021. The main brand name will just become Potato Head, and the actual characters of Mr. Potato Head and Mrs. Potato Head will remain. Um, The uh, tweet that Hasbro put out is, I am proud to confirm that Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head aren't going anywhere and will remain Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head. So the Mr. Potato Head toy first rose to popularity in the 1950s. So, you know, right around uh, Sconzi's fifth birthday as a Ah. set of plastic face parts that could be stuck onto a real potato. Eventually, it became an entire plastic potato. And current versions of the toy typically come with a mustache, a hat and other accessories. The company says kids want to be able to represent their own experiences the way the brand currently exists is limiting when it comes to gender identity and family structure. We have the privilege of being part of a childhood fandom and intergenerational play. With that privilege comes a responsibility to foster inclusion and help teach the next generation that everyone is equal and everyone is worthy. So, what do you think about this, Christopher?
0: Uh, I think it sounds good. I'm trying to I'm trying to read through the articles really, really quick because I I think it depends on how it's done. So what it sounds like they want to do is they want to make it more inclusive and, you know, kind of gender open, um, which I think is good. And if what they're doing with that is having a potato head with all the makings inside for male and I shouldn't say male and female, but, you know, all the different sexes and gender identities and everything involved. So that people can or kids can put it together however they want, however they identify, however they feel. I think it's superb, right? It, it it really opens up the ability for children to kind of let their minds run free and come up with whatever they want to come up with. And and let's be honest, a lot of kids, I would imagine, are going to do this in in some way, shape, or form in the way that they kind of see themselves or see the world. And so, giving them that freedom. Where the potato head can be male or female or a little bit of both or whatever it needs to be. If it's something that they identify with, I think that's fantastic.
1: Yeah, I would agree. And it's one of those things where, you know, still keeping the Mr. and Mrs. like as different things you can sell. Great. Cool. Because a kid might point to the Mr. Potato Head and say, I want that. Great. They might point to the Mrs. Potato Head and say, "I want that." They might just point to the regular potato and say, "I want that." And I think one of the biggest things that there are some people who got real upset about this, and they're like, "You're taking away whatever, whatever, whatever." But honestly, a lot of times, kids, do you know, they'll have a Barbie that's, uh, you know, you'll look at it in. In your brain, you'll say, this is a female Barbie, but the kid will talk about the Barbie as a male or as whatever, and like that's fine. Kids are imaginative in their play, and the more freedom that you can give them to be imaginative, I think the better, because we need to kind of stop putting everything in these boxes. Like I realized that in some way, it's the human condition to make assumptions and put things in boxes, but if we're self-assigning these boxes for people, that makes things worse in the long run. If we help them understand, like, here are some ways that you can do this versus this is the way that it has to be. I think that is what is a priority goal to help everyone.
0: Yeah, so this appears, I don't know if this is the article that we had. I don't think it is. Uh, no, we had a seen that article. So this appears to be the article that, that kind of kicked it all off. And I'm going to read a couple of quotes off of this. The brand solution is to drop the gendered honorific title altogether. This means the toys don't impose a fixed notion of gender identity or expression, freeing kids to do whatever feels most natural to them. A girl potato may want to wear pants. A boy potato may want to wear earrings. Um, They're also going to sell box sets that don't present a normative family structure. Uh, So it allows kids to bring their own ideas around. And then the author also added that this freedom is not common in toys. And there's something she shared. Here he is. It can be confusing to kids who live in a progressive—I don't know what that word is—progressive life, or progressive world, where they're exposed to many different family structures. At my daughter's school, for instance, kids appear to be constantly trying to make sense of how the heteronormative narratives around them square with the everyday reality, where some families have two moms, two dads, and others have a single parent. So I, that's a really good point. I mean, if if, if children are already in a situation where I'm sure they are, where they're struggling to make sense of what they're seeing, how come every time I see, you know, a family, it's a mom and a dad and a baby? How come it's always a man and a woman together? How come there's always two, you know, parents? You know, that 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 could really screw with a kid's head, right? We're, we're kind of forcing onto them what we've, you know, society has deemed as normal or at least has, you know, throughout the past. Um, I. Dude, this is great, I and mean, this is a super well written article, by the way. I'm going to share this uh, this link too. Um, yeah, so the way that that the way that that is uh, outlined, I'm I think it's great. I think it's fantastic.
1: Yeah, this is a this is one of those that I was like, I feel like this isn't some ways like a feel-goodish story like they're trying yeah. to in some ways be inclusive and give people the opportunity to do what feels right by them and like again like if somebody wants the mr potato head then you, you buy a potato head and you make it a mr done right
0: right yeah you put pants on them because apparently women can't wear pants i guess i don't i don't know anyway i'm spinning B. all right emily knew about that one by the way she was on top of that story I really want to play a, uh, an audio clip from Revenge of the Nerds with uh, Ogre saying, NERDS! <laughs> but Brian, are nerds ruining sports?
1: I don't know. That was a question that I was going to ask you because I thought of you as soon as I saw this uh, post. So Wait, Peter, am I a nerd? No, but... I'm a nerd. It's we, okay. You can say it. We've had these conversations, so that's why I wanted to have this conversation on stream. So... Bleacher Report senior writer Master Tez posted a video recently with the caption, Nerds are ruining sports. Tez ref-
0: wait, 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 wait. His name is Master Tez?
1: That's what he goes by on Twitter. So Got it. Okay, all right. Tez refers to a game recently where the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft, Anthony Edwards, had a poster-worthy dunk. Tez says, for every person going wild on the timeline, there was another nerd complaining about efficiency. At the time of his dunk, Edwards was 0 for 7 from three-point range. Tez says that there's a time and a place for analytics, but using it to overshadow an incredible display of athleticism ain't it. We just want to enjoy a play that reminds us of why we became sports fans in the first place. He continues, you shouldn't have to scramble to a box score to validate what you're seeing on film. These guys aren't ones and zeros. There are members of the analytics community that will even tell you Kobe and AI aren't as great as we remember them because they weren't efficient. If you can't separate stats from the heart of the game, you should go back to your spreadsheets and leave sports to the real fans. So I wanted to get your take on this because I think that this is an interesting You're setting tidbit. me up. This is an interesting tidbit that you can kind of apply to not just basketball, but all sports. So do you want to hear my opinion or do you want to give your opinion first?
0: I'm going to let you give yours first, but I just want to say that uh, there's only one Anthony Edwards ever, and that's Goose. and He's on there on the screen for everybody. Anyway, (laughs) go ahead and give us your opinion.
1: So my biggest thought about this is I think that there is a time and a place for analytics. I think analytics does a really good job of helping you figure out like where the middle is because you can figure out like who, you know, you have like the wins above replacement and like who is league average and all of this. But I think it is interesting when we start talking about analytics and, Oh, well, this person's not efficient and they don't do X, Y, Z and stuff like that because these games, they're not necessarily played on paper. They're not played in spreadsheets. They're played in, a real arena. They're played by real people who have real things going on. So if you look at a player like Brett Favre, Brett Favre's probably not going to jump off the page from a metrics perspective because a lot of the stuff that Brett Favre does on the field, there's, you know, hundreds of guys who could never do the kinds of things that he could do. So, you know, that's going to be a challenge. We've talked a lot about Orlando Arcia before, like the the guys in you know statistics and all that kill r They're like, oh, well, he's so bad at fielding and he does XYZ. But when you watch him, half the reason he's bad at fielding is because he's getting it to these balls that other players wouldn't even get to. So I think that there's a middle ground where if we're just looking at the You know, analytics, and we're only saying, oh, well, this person is someone who's going to do this. Like, we can't just stop there. We need to use both because when we use both, we are then maximizing our potential. Because if you just watch game film, if you just watch games, you're also missing pieces. I think this is especially true when it comes to high school and college sports. I listened to a fantasy football podcast and The one guy, he always says, you know, don't ask me to do player evaluations on college players because I have a hard time telling you how good this guy's going to be in the NFL when he plays, you know, 75% of his games against the future gym teachers of America, right? Because like these guys are good, but they're not NFL caliber good. So it's one of those things where sure, you can look at metrics and analytics and look at data. But it's not going to tell you the full story. You can look at the game's tape. That's not going to tell you the full story. So using both, I think, is where the sweet spot is. So that's my thought. What's your thought, Christopher?
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think there's a reason why um, sports teams employ analytics people to look at the numbers and run numbers and look at charts and all that shit. And they still employ regular old-fashioned scouts who go to the damn game and watch them play, right? There's a marriage of the two that has to be there. That's not what I got from this, though. And and maybe I just am reading into it wrong. But it seemed to me like what the message was is, hey, this guy just made a hell of a dunk. Maybe just be happy that, that you're enjoying. Just enjoy that, right? Enjoy the moment of what he did. Don't, like, go back and say, oh, wait, but he was 0 for 7. So, yippee, why don't you try making a fucking shot instead of just slam dunking one time, you know, and going... 1 for 8 with two points big deal so you're garbage um i think that's a little bit of a different story and it, he even ties into that more by saying people are going to say that kobe and ai aren't as good as we remember because they weren't efficient well that's that's exactly what you hear a lot right like in my mind omar visquel is probably the greatest shortstop i've ever seen probably ever will see but now there're analytics coming out saying well maybe he's not that good well you know what i'll still take him on my team any day of the week even now when he's 84 years old i'd still take him on my team Um, and the reason I said, you're setting me up is because I'm not a big Kobe fan. Like the way that I look at a player is you you need to help your team win. Obviously his teams won a lot, but there's also a lot of times where he shot the ball 50 fucking times where like James Harden, you know, if you pass the ball a little bit, maybe, maybe you can do a little bit better, but that also doesn't take away my ability to look at some of the plays he made and just go, Jesus fucking Christ, this guy is unreal. Right. Like there's, there's a differentiation there. And, and, and to me, what this came across was a very possibly somebody who doesn't understand analytics in any way. And then maybe that's me being derogatory. I don't know, but it seems like he doesn't understand that. And really his goal is I just want to enjoy this in the moment. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. Enjoy it in the moment and what you see. Right. Like I, I tend to be on the other side of that mainly because a lot of times these really great, big, exciting plays are followed by a bunch of stupid showboating garbage and it doesn't matter what sport it is it doesn't matter who it is it's doing it happens everywhere right like for all i know and i haven't watched this play but you know is, is this a situation where the guy's team is down by 15 there's three minutes left in the game he's 0 for 7 and he dunks and he gets up and he's like pounding his chest and yay look at me i don't know if that's the case but we see situations like that all the time and those are the ones where i'm like Uh, okay, great. You're like seven foot and you dunked a fucking basketball. Congratulations. You're still losing the fucking game. If maybe you would have made half of those shots that you missed, maybe you would have won. Right. That's kind of the way I look at it. So I don't know. I guess if we're looking at evaluating talent, I agree. It needs to be a combination of both. You have to be able to have somebody who can look at a player and get a feel for some of those intangibles that don't show up in the box score. But then you also, you know, the analytics thing is a really big piece because the analytics are starting to unearth certain things that, that we can't see with the naked eye. So it's, it's using each of them for their strengths and pulling out the things that are going to help you evaluate talent. And as for what I'm feeling that this guy was saying, absolutely enjoy it in the moment, enjoy the situation, enjoy the excitement and the, the fanfare and the amazing athletics play that we see. Absolutely enjoy that. And, and Part of the reason why people would jump on that and say, oh, well, he's 0 for 7 is because they're angry, jealous for some reason, right? Either you dunked on my team or big deal. I don't like that player or, hey, you know what? There's only one Anthony Edwards and he's goose and now he's bald and he's not dunking a basketball. Whatever the case may be, you know, there's probably some underlying hate there that's causing people to do that anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, we could have a whole other discussion about greatness, hate, and how we kind of live in a generation of greatness, hate, where people try to like lift themselves up by tearing others down. And just back to your point about Omar Vizquel, that dude couldn't hit a lick, and I would still take him in my lineup eight times out of seven days in the week.
0: Yep, absolutely. Guy was insane.
1: All right, let's move on to our next topic.
0: All right, I am spinning the wheel
1: also to answer the question i don't think either of us said that nerds were ruining sports so <laughs>
0: Fuck no nerd god damn it I can't, how can i say that i'm ruining sports
1: well all i'm right. just saying we didn't answer the question so we had to no. make sure that we answered yes, the, question. Answer the
0: question no nerds are not ruining sports
1: all right so now we are on to blizzcon and twitch yeah, this, gaming
0: this is so, this is this this fucking shit
1: So I don't know what BlizzCon is, but if you were watching it on the Blizzard website this year, or on YouTube, or on Twitch's main channel, you got to hear Metallica play For Whom the Bell Tolls. If you were watching on the Twitch Gaming channel, instead, you only heard the opening of the song before it was replaced with a royalty-free instrumental track, (laughs) (laughs) presumably to avoid breaking copyright law. Twitch has a history when it comes to DMCA takedowns, so they're following their own advice to streamers. Avoid any recorded music you don't have the rights to. And the advice of Blizzard itself, whose guidelines for streamers stated, Note, some segments will feature copyrighted and licensed music, and we advise that you do not stream these parts of our show. There is a layer of irony here to the fact that this happened to Metallica, (laughs) as Metallica was the band who took Napster, the streaming or the uh, basically the pirating service, to court back in 2000 and helped usher in the age of copyright protection their own performance fell prey to. There's a lot of irony there, yeah. Give us some thoughts on this one. This
0: really, this is, and this was one that I shared, and this was a story of just. The, the way twitch is bumblefucking this whole copyright thing so blizzcon just so everyone's aware um is a it's normally an in-person conference but obviously this year it's not um it's a conference that the blizzard company puts on. i don't know if that's i think that's their, their name blizzard gaming company um that they put on every year where they you know they announce new games and People, people generally dress up as their characters. Blizzard is a company that puts out Diablo and World of Warcraft, um, Starcraft, World of Warcraft, probably the biggest one and most, the one that most people would know. Um, So people, you know, dress up in their cosplay and everything, and they go to these shows. It's a great big deal. And, uh, and this year they had Metallica there to, to do a song, which is super cool. But again, this is really, this isn't a story about BlizzCon. This is a story about Twitch and their horrible way that they're handling uh, DMCA. So really quick, cause we talked about DMCA quite a bit. It's a reason why I can't play a sample of Metallica for you here to, you know, which would be really cool. Um, DMCA, the the Digital Millennial Copyright Act, basically gives protection against um, copyrighted works being reproduced. The way this is really showing up right now is the RIAA, the Recording Industry of America, and their subsidiaries are putting a bunch of claims out there for anyone that they find um, using any music that uh, that they own. Um, the RIAA is is incredibly money hungry. If you remember back in the Napster days, they were the ones that were selling, uh, not selling, but suing grandmas and fifteen year old kids for like a hundred or two hundred thousand dollars a song that they downloaded. So they're like millions and millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars. They're suing people for that they'll never get right. It's just that they're trying to keep their stranglehold over their business, which coincidentally is why I love musicians like uh nine inch nails who just produce all their own shit and say fuck you to the RIA, but that's that's beside the point. So uh what happens is, and this this really hit really big on Twitch over the course of the last year, year and a half, where people would listen to music and um it would be copyrighted music and then it would be saved to their VODs, their VODs, their videos on demand that people can go in and watch. And so all these different companies were searching for their music and then they're, they're submitting copyright strikes. Twitch does not give streamers any tools to, to fix that at all. Um, in fact, when, when all of these started to come in and they came in in a huge bunch, Twitch did give people a little bit of a kind of an area where they, they were safe. But if you got three of those strikes, you're done, like done on Twitch forever. There's no way to, to, um, Dispute it. There's no way to argue it. You're just done. Your Twitch channel is history. And so you had people who have been on Twitch for a hell of a lot longer than me years and years and years and years. And the only thing they could do is go out and delete every single video that's ever been saved on their channel ever. Imagine that. Imagine if you are at home and you've got a a photo album with pictures that go back to your great grandparents. And the only way that you could avoid getting in trouble or losing your livelihood is to throw that into a burning barrel. It's insane. And they, they, they still haven't fixed anything to this point. So that's really what the main story is, is that Twitch themselves is falling into the same goddamn hole that they put all their content creators in because they still don't have a way of, of solving this DMCA issue, which is just asinine. So it, it, if for no, no other reason, I just wanted to put this on the list so I had a chance to bitch and moan about the way Twitch is doing people wrong.
1: Well, I mean, that's fair. Like I, when I read it, I'm like, I mean, that seems legit. Like this is kind of their life. I think about this, like the Milwaukee Brewers discussion we had last week, right? Like if you do stuff on Twitch, your life is the fact that you can't play anything that has any type of copyrighted material. You basically have to go out and make your own song and then make it a non-fungible token. And then you can play that on (laughs) your own stream, right?
0: Yeah. That's what a lot of it is. I mean, you, you have to. Like there are some people, so for instance, Dr. Lupo, who's a streamer that I watch a lot, does a lot of great stuff for charity. His intro song is, uh, is is a copyrighted song. And he had to go through the band and through their management, through their record label to get everything signed up and okay that he could use that song. Now for him, somebody who, you know, is one of the top, I don't know, 50, 100 streamers on Twitch, that's something you can do, right? If I wanted to do that, they'd say, go fuck yourself. No, you're not going to do that. So you have to find, you have to be very, very, very careful. And I, I listen to music. You know, if you uh, listen to the stream, you would hear that um, at the beginning of the stream. Um, we use music as our intro here for the podcast. All of that is stuff that I have to make sure we have the rights to be able to use. Um, and I guess I'll even plug, you know, for the couple of people that are here, Harris Heller and his stream beats. Um, and he's making a mint off of that. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. You know, all the all the plays that he gets, he makes a ton of money off it. But it's completely free, completely copyright free. I use that to play in the background during uh, all of my streams. I use it as the intro and the outro to all of my streams. Um, you can even use it for YouTube videos if you wanted to So you have to be very, very careful. But there are people out there that are doing that type of thing, um, not, not 100% altruistically, but certainly trying to help streamers who want to be able to use and listen to music. You just have to be very, very careful.
1: That's fair. Well, now that we're done talking about Twitch, are we at the point where we need to throw a challenge flag? Are we doing okay on time?
0: We're at about 45, so it's probably challenge flag time.
1: All right. I'm going to throw my challenge flag for the first time in about a month. All right. All right. I want to talk about what I feel like is a feel-good story. I want to talk about the Our Heroes Rock um, Kickstarter. So I heard about this because I watch wrestling, but um WWE superstar Biggie along with Andreas Hale and Jonathan Davenport have launched a Kickstarter to create Our Heroes Rock, conceived as a hip hop odyssey through black history. Our Heroes Rock is an animated series that would shine a spotlight on history's unsung heroes of color through infectious music, stunning 3D animation, and a family-friendly, sci-fi-flavored narrative designed to appeal to both parents and kids alike. The concept originally began as wrestling gear designed by Davenport for Big E. The project became more ambitious when a conversation with Andreas Hale led to the idea of creating the animated series to bring attention to the lesser-known stories in Black history that would be empowering to young men and women of color. So, in this series, the proposal is that Big E would voice the character known as E-Tour, who acts as the tour guide for children, as they are introduced to names some may recognize and others they may not, but that have still had an integral part in the fight for civil rights. The tour takes place in what is called the Hall of Heroes, akin to the Hall of Justice for the Justice League, but instead of seeing Superman and Batman, children will see names like Medgar Evers, Ida B. Wells, and Ruby Bridges. It's a way of looking at Black history through the lens of the future, Davenport said. Imagine the Smithsonian if it were designed by Tony Stark. The pilot episode is planned to feature Grammy-nominated artist Rhapsody as the narrator, telling the story of Ruby Bridges, who was the first African-American to integrate an all-white school in the South at the end of segregation. The goal of the series is to have each episode have a lesson, and the lesson learned in each hero's experience will tie directly to an emotional obstacle, fear, or insecurity that one of the kids is feeling at the beginning of the episode. This would summarize the theme of the episode and illustrate how empowering history and representation can be. If this goes well, and if the project is funded, Our Heroes Rock has plans to expand and tell the stories of unsung heroes for all minority groups. So hearing about this, Christopher, do you have any initial kind of gut thoughts?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think this is super exciting. So the first thing that I tied this to um, is a person that I follow on Twitter, and their name is Ruth H. Hopkins, and their description in Twitter, they are a Dakota Lakota Sioux writer and indigenous defender. I'll tie these together in a minute. So this is someone who's obviously there. They're indigenous, and... Uh, um they spend their, a lot of their life defending and, and writing about the indigenous people and, and definitely people of their tribe. And there's been a lot of things. And the reason I started following her or them actually um, is because I saw them post a, a huge tweet thread of this story that I had never, ever heard about um, some indigenous people, you know, hundreds of years ago. And I was like, that's super cool. This is, this is stuff that I probably would never stumble upon. Unless I was specifically looking for things, um, and I'm and I'm hearing about it from somebody who's you know who is indigenous themselves, um, and so I, I love following their Twitter because there's so many different stories like this that uh, that come through, and I learn a lot of different things that I otherwise probably wouldn't have been um, exposed to. And that's how I feel about this: is is I love the fact, and I don't remember the exact verbiage, and I'm not going to be able to find it while I'm trying to uh, stall. But basically, they said that they they to they want to tell stories that are like underrepresented or, or stories that aren't as well known, which I think is great. Like, I mean, everyone knows about the the big names and the big events, right? Like uh, Martin Luther King and Malcolm X and the million person march. You know, all of those things. Everyone everyone kind of knows to a degree about those, but there's so many other parts of of, of black history that that I sure as hell don't know that a lot of people don't know. And I don't know that I'm going to often actively go out and look for it. Sometimes I will. but even then, I think it's very interesting that people want to kind of collate that and deliver that to individuals, especially in a way that's that's directed towards young people and and helping young people see things from a different perspective, and giving people kind of that uh, um, that, that identification that they may have, right? Because this, I'm guessing that this is going to be geared very strongly towards. Uh, black and people of color and, and those children. And so it gives them some some representation that they otherwise may not have. So yeah, I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah, that was the piece that really stuck with me is that you're trying to make this something that's palatable for kids and adults, right? Because there are a lot of times where it's like adults get a little bit weird about people trying to like teach the kids about stuff. But it's like if this is a cartoon, like obviously they're going to have to do it in a respectful way. They're going to have to do it in a factual way. But they're also going to do it in like this fun kind of like sci-fi-ish way. So even if these kids are not making that distinct connection – But if they do end up going to the library at some point and they read about Medgar Evers or they read about, you know, Ida Wells and things like that, they're going to be able to make that connection and go, oh, man, like I saw this on a cartoon when I was six. Right. Like that's the part about this that's really cool is that they're really trying to reach kids at this formative age where they can learn about these things, but also to internalize it to their own specific challenges and fears and experiences and things like that. And I feel like this is the type of thing where you have someone who obviously, you know, for folks who don't watch wrestling, like people don't know who Biggie is, but this is a guy who was a, you know, college football player. Like he got injured and then he's like, well, I still want to do something athletic. So I'm going to go do wrestling. And then you know, enough people know him based on that, that like, he's going to try to do this and like, turn that around to be something that helps out future generations of, you know, African American and, you know, black kids. And that's great. Like, I feel like this is the kind of stuff that we need to see more of from people who have the platform to do it.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think it's important that people, you know, they, they find what those passions are and they chase them. I mean, so this guy's a wrestler and he's not the person that you would, you know, pinpoint as as the type of individual who's going to put this creative endeavor together, who gives a shit if that's your passion and you've got a voice that needs to be heard and and, and a voice that should be heard. I know that, that might be a little bit controversial, but let's be honest, some people like, uh, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, whatever her name is, uh, they have voices that maybe shouldn't be heard. But if you have a voice that should be heard and that's your passion, go out and fucking do it, man. Especially because I'm, I'm guessing that you know, part of the fact that he he has a bigger name or a bigger presence, right? Because he's you know, he's on TV and whatnot, you know, that might help give him get him a, a leg up that he otherwise may not have had. So it gives him a better opportunity to to make a positive change in people's lives. And that's what it comes down to, right? If if your goal, if your passion, if what you want to do, if what you're driven by is making a positive impact, go do that shit. Period.
1: Right. And, you know, obviously this is a Kickstarter, so they're hoping to get it funded right now. It's got about 44 days left and it's about half funded. So I think that's really cool. They're trying to fund that pilot episode. And, you know, my hope would be that if they get this funded and they get it started, they've already got connections in, you know, the television world. You know, WWE has you know, this big deal with Fox and you know, what has happening to WWE, they're moving to the Peacock network. So all of a sudden <laughs> WWE is coming into all of this NBC money. And you know what right. NBC would like to do to promote themselves as a wholly equitable company? Maybe just, maybe they could put this cartoon on Peacock, right? There like you these are the right. kind of inroads that we can have when people have these types of creative ideas. So this is something that I'm really, Hopeful for, and I will be kind of keeping an eye out to see if this is something that ends up getting funded.
0: I like it. All right. Well, I think it's time to move on. B, it
1: is time I to think, move
0: on. I think it's time, ladies and gentlemen. Random rankings, which is a little bit unfortunate because we do have a new drop that I'm going to drop right now because we do. Oh, wait. No, you to.
1: save that for the patrons.
0: Okay. All right. Patrons get it. If you're not a patron, you don't get to hear the new drop yet, but patrons, you'll hear it when I uh when we record this tomorrow or this weekend. Yeah,
1: time. you save that for the patrons because that's that's what we're talking about on the uh, old Patreon. <laughs> okay. So
0: all right. So uh so B, what what uh what are we doing for random rankings this week?
1: So for random rankings, we again went to the Patreon vault and we have come up with the best television shows for binging. So we're looking for the ultimate marathon of television shows for an epic quarantine weekend this was suggested by mle so we are gonna go with this now what i will tell you all up front i'm blind i don't watch television watching (laughs) television for me is actually a punishment so you know me doing this draft i'm already at a disadvantage but i'm gonna do my best
0: all right well i'm gonna take uh, i'm gonna take that one show off my list and i'm gonna let you have that one uh are we gonna are we gonna do this as a draft we're gonna put our our, 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 our—what uh, are we gonna call it? Our binge weekend up together against each other, and uh we'll see who has the better weekend. Is that what we want to do?
1: I mean, we can do it however we want, because again, it doesn't have to be a weekend. These could just be shows that we like. Like, we can do this in any way that you want to do it. Or- I
0: like putting some structure around it. Let's make it. A, let's make it a weekend. This is your weekend. This is all you can watch for the weekend. You need to sit down. You're gonna binge through all these shows over the weekend. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I randomized it. Are we gonna? We're not gonna do snake, right? Are we? Are we just gonna go back and forth?
1: Let's just go back and forth.
0: All right. Well, I randomized it and it said that I won, but because you're blind, I'm gonna let you go first. So why don't you <laughs> go first?
1: All right. Well, I'm gonna take the one show that I definitely know is one that I could binge. I'm taking Shit's Creek. <laughs> Like, the nice part about Schitt's Creek is that all of the shows, like, it just flows. And that's one that you can just sit and watch and watch and watch. And the nice part about Schitt's Creek is that it's a half-hour show. So it's not one of those where you're binging, like, hour, 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 hour. I do kind of like trying to get through the half-hour shows than the hour shows.
0: Yeah. That is the one I deleted off my list. Because I'm like, I can't be rude and, and take that one. So... Uh, yeah, that that's definitely a good one. That's uh, that's <laughs> Emily says you win already. Um, so well, I I I was looking at this after work today, um, when I may or may not have snuck outside and smoked a little tiny cigar, and it felt amazing. Um, and I because I I figured I had to put some kind of structure around this because there's a lot of TV shows I've liked over over the years, so. I, I really only binge TV shows at this point. Like there's some shows like, uh, that I might watch like episodically, like, uh, Hell's Kitchen, right? Cause it, they're not all just one show kind of thing. So I, when I am looking at it, binging, I really like it. If it's like got a, 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 a long drawn out storyline, it's not just a, here's a half hour, here's a half hour, here's a half hour or an hour or whatever. Right. It was really nice. If it's actually a, a you know, it's a, Basically, a seventeen-hour TV show kind of thing. Um, so that was one of the things that I kind of looked at. Uh, I'm going to save one of those for later, but the one I'm going to add is is one of the latest ones that I did watch, and that is called Mind Hunter. And this is a Netflix show. It's a like a crime hunter show. So it's basically about it's 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 based on a true story about a couple guys who started um profiling group or profiling unit at the FBI. And so the show's it, it does have kind of a continuous storyline, but it's all about how these individuals started going to prisons and interviewed what we know of today as serial killers at the time there wasn't a name for it. They just knew that they were people that killed a bunch of people. Um and they started to build a psychology on it so they could go and then kind of hunt people um over time and try to find and uh hunt down and find these uh serial killers so they've got they've done two seasons so far hopefully there's a third season coming but it's a really really good show um it really kicked me into the uh you know like the criminal documentary <laughs> rut that i've been in for a month or so uh but it's definitely a good show that's definitely one worth watching
1: all right so and i feel like i do need to clarify my stance like i am just a person like i just don't watch terribly much TV. Like I typically am watching sports or wrestling or stuff like that. And then because I'm an adult who finds other ways to keep myself busy, like doing like 74 loads of laundry a week, I don't often sit down and watch television, but I can add a second show to my list. And the show that I'm going to add is Parks and Recreation. So one of the things that I like about Parks and Rec is that it's another one of those shows that kind of is like a half hour, kind of quick hitters. And there's so many different characters that there's lots of different story arcs that you can follow. So obviously there's a main story arc where you're following you know, the main characters, but there's also you know the side story arcs where it's like treat yourself and then there's you know like the april ludgate story arc and like there's so many different different kind of things that you can get hooked on in that show that it really makes for a bingeable quality and the fact that if you watch one episode you know two or three times you might notice something different about that episode every time you watch it
0: you know i've never seen parks and rec never seen even at 12 seconds of parks and rec i mean i'm sure i've seen a clip here and there right but uh yeah i've never sat down and watched it and and i think part of it is because i don't i don't generally go in for the sitcom thing i mean there's some like how i met your mother and that should probably be on the list of bingeable shows um
1: the ending that sucked though that's the why ending really the, the, the ending is horrible
0: which is funny because the next one's going to be on my list Specifically because of the ending. And this show is called Travelers. So, first of all, it's a sci-fi type flick, which is, you know, probably why I am why it endeared itself to me. Um, and I'm trying to remember, I have a horrible, horrible memory, but it's it's basically it's something like uh people get sent back in time from the future, um, but they get placed into somebody else's body. And so you know bob from the future is still bob like still got bob's mind but he is in the body of john so he has to kind of live john's life to some degree while doing his own stuff kind of thing um it sounds a little bit weird but it's a really good show the one thing that i really look at for a lot of these is how do the characters meld how does how does how does that relationship build throughout the series because i think that's what really makes for really good tv and really good uh Um, binging. I really love the characters of the show. And um, this is one of the many shows that I watched on Netflix long after it's already been canceled. But this is one where they knew it was being canceled. So they actually got to kind of tie a bow at the end. And it was such a lovely bow. It was amazing. So this is definitely one if you love anything with kind of that sci fi twist, this is worthwhile. But if you really like those character focused shows, um, this is this is a really good one.
1: Okay. I I can get down with it. Now I'm officially out of television shows that I've watched in the last like four years, but I I can, (laughs) I can, I can make this happen. So, um, one show that I'm going to go with, and there were two shows that had terrible endings that I was like, I don't feel like I should put them on my list, but I'm going to pick one of the shows that had a terrible ending.
0: Better not be the one I'm thinking of.
1: I'm picking Lost. No. Jesus
0: Christ, no, no, <laughs> no, Chad, don't do it, no matter what he says, don't watch this fucking show
1: <laughs> so the the nice part about lost is like it's it's kind of like a Brain, like you're, it's a brain teaser because there's so many things that are like segued and like this is hinted and that's hinted and then there's time travel and like this is going on here and that's going on there, but then this happened and then there's this episode and you try to like piece it all together. So, for someone who has a mind that works like that, and I kind of feel like I do, like that's one of the parts that I really enjoyed about the show. But then you watch the final episode and you're like, really? This, this, this is what you give me after like seven seasons or however long of this I went through. You give me this. Yet the ending to How I Met Your Mother was somehow still worse.
0: I was so addicted to Lost. Like, I love that show because of the things you called out, right? It is just so mind bending. The different sci-fi weird angles that it takes on everything. And that's another one where the characters just shined, even the ones that you fucking hated to death. What was that guy's name, Ben or whatever? Like you like you, really loved and hated these characters. They really did a great job with that. But what they did and what they did the best job at is coming up with 175,000 crazy, weird ways that things tie together and questions that you need answered. And they answered exactly zero of those fucking questions at the end of the show. So I'm like, this entire show, all you've done is build it up with all these amazing questions that, that people want to know about, and then you answered, fuck all of them. It's, it's, it was the most infuriating ending to a show ever.
1: The answer, and spoiler, 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 we're going to leave three seconds. One, two, three. They were all dead all the time. <laughs> That's the answer.
0: It was the dumbest show. It's the dumbest ending ever.
1: I yeah. mean did did I take the interpret? Do you have the same interpretation of the ending of that show as I do? I don't even
0: remember. I struck it out of my memory because it was so stupid. <laughs> like it was like like two guys on a mountain in a cave with a fire or some shit. I don't even remember. It's just so dumb. Like the last two seasons of that was just dumb as fuck.
1: Well, in any case, you know it's that or you know, well, your mother is now dead, and I'm not putting that on my yeah. list, so. yeah, the,
0: You know, I loved How I Met Your Mother so much. It was such a great show. And then the ending just totally just destroyed the whole thing.
1: Yeah, the like, ending you, just you, took and, the complete air out of the room. And it's yeah, like, yeah, come just
0: done. Just done. Uh, and Emily, don't watch any of it. It's not worth it. I so mean, you I can watch a... the
1: early seasons of How I Met Your Mother. We will
0: allow Yeah, How I Met Your Mother you can watch. Like, you can even deal with the ending on that one, even though it's really dumb. You can deal with it. Lost. Don't touch it. I am going to go with a show that hasn't ended yet. Hopefully. Um, But it's a great binge show. Stranger Things. I mean, how can you not love a show? First of all, it's set in the 80s. Second of all, it's all, you know, all this D&D stuff. And third, it's got weird sci-fi crazy stuff. And then it's got kids in it. Like, it's Especially someone my age, you know, this was like my childhood in a lot of ways, um, which is super, super cool. It's a fun show. The kids are great. Um, yeah, it's 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 just a, it's a great show. I, I don't know what more to say about it. If you don't know about Stranger Things, I I, I, I got nothing for you. All
1: right, so I'm going to pick a show that's still going and is actually a show that I watch. So. The show is called A Million Little Things. It basically is a chronicle of these friends who are all kind of brought together by the uh, suicide of one of the friend's husband. And it kind of chronicles like all of their lives and kind of like what's going on. And it's just a really kind of interesting and yet emotional show because it's kind of like lost in some ways where there's like lots of little secrets that come out about people and like things that people have done with each other and things like that. But it's like, oh, but then when you know how you watch a show and then they're like, stay tuned for preview of next week and then they're like, we'll be back on march 17th and i'm like march 17th is too far away come on man so that's how i know that it's a show that i want to binge that makes sense i've never heard of that show never heard of it all right so there's a lot of shows that i really really like
0: like i really want to list about 10 or 15 shows that people should watch um but I'm going to go with this one because it's one that most people probably haven't heard of. And it's called the OA. I think this is really made to be a little bit more of like a, a, a later teens kind of show. I don't know for sure. Um, it's whacked out the fucking mind. Like it's crazy. And unfortunately there's only two seasons and it did not leave on a weird ass cliffhanger which really sucked. But overall it was just a fun show it's just it's just so weird and it's it's in a way it's similar to lost because they throw all this weird shit out at you but what it does that lost doesn't do is it starts to piece that shit together and again it lead it ends on a bit of a cliffhanger and it doesn't look like there's going to be any more shows so it doesn't it doesn't answer everything but it does start to piece all that shit together and it's once it starts to hit you're like oh my god i get that and i get this and holy shit um it's a lot of fun it it is it's only two seasons so you could totally binge it over a weekend um and it's definitely one that i think everybody should check out it does have a little bit of adult stuff into it i think there's like a sex scene or two so keep that in mind if you got little ones around but uh yeah it's definitely one worth watching
1: I mean, if you got little ones around, you can't be doing the bed flex either. So you got to keep yourself... Uh, All the gotta, bed
0: flexes, you get the little ones around.
1: <laughs> well, you know, there is that. So I think that's a good one. Now, I'm again at this place where part of me is like, maybe I should just put how I met your mother on this list and be Do done it. with it. But Do it. I'm also... So if we're looking at my list, right? I've got Schitt's Creek and Parks and Rec, which are kind of like more uplifting shows like they're kind of like this comedy there's lost there's a million little things and then i was i'm torn between two shows so one show
0: because i could totally i could totally pick two
1: but i'm not committed to either of these shows that's the problem but i'm gonna do i'll do both anyway so the one show that i was gonna say is the American version of The Office. So The Office was one of those shows that's really kind of fun again because you have the dynamic characters of Michael Scott and Dwight Schrute and then you have so many of these like side characters like Creed Bratton and then once um ellie kempfer's character comes on board like all of these different characters and like the guy who ended up being in the hangover like all of these different characters bring a different spin to the show so like that was one that i was considering but another show that i was considering kind of as a spinoff is like criminal minds because that's one where if you just like some of those like short snippet like oh this is like a weird kind of crime show like criminal minds is always good for that too
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. So I am going to... There's so many shows that I want to list. And if anybody has any... If anybody wants some suggestions beyond this, let me know. I'll let you know. Um, I'm trying to figure out which one to start with. I'm going to do with one that completely goes against what I set as the premise of what I was shooting for at the beginning of this. And uh, I am going to choose... Queer Eye on Netflix. If you haven't seen Queer Eye, like the the, the original one was like ten or fifteen years ago, um, when it was a little bit more risque, I guess you'd say um, it was just a little bit more controversial at that time than it is today. So, really, what the premise is is you've got I think it's five gay guys who come they who get um, like nominations from people because people in their life just need help, need help with. You know, they don't know how to take care of themselves. They're they, they don't they don't clean themselves and get dressed up or they're in a depression or whatever the case may be, right? They've kind of lost their way a little bit. And these guys come in and they've all got different specialties, right? So one guy is um I don't know if he's actually a chef, but he's a a cook kind of guy. You got an interior decorator, you've got a like a, a hairdresser, um, one guy's a big fashion dude, and then uh the last one is kind of a interpersonal connection kind of guy and so they they each do their own special thing and they take people out and they do the big whole makeover and they redo their their place of living and they teach them how to make some food and get them prepped for whatever like a big event is that's coming up um so it's kind of fun it's fun to watch people who maybe aren't in the best spot in their life get some help that they need and just completely turn things around. Because I think all of us at one point or another, probably, at least I know I sure as hell have been, in that spot where I feel like I'm just in a hole and I need a hand. And having somebody who could come in and give you that hand is is super inspiring. Also, there probably isn't a single one of these shows that I didn't bawl my fucking eyes out. And sometimes you just need to do that, right? Because it's amazing to see people taking care of other people. It's amazing to see people who are able to get up off their knees and, and start walking and running again. Um, and just the care that these, these guys have with the people. Um, it, it, it's, it's just so heartwarming. It really is. So that's one show. That's a really, really good feel-good show. Um, and the last one, of course, I had to choose the greatest show ever made in the history of the world. If you haven't watched Firefly... You need to watch Firefly. I mean, what are you doing? Firefly is like the epitome of what I was talking about, which is a show that's based on characters. Like you grow to love every one of the characters there. They each have their flaws and you might be a little irritated at times, but you just love them. At least I did love every single one of those characters. And even though it's a super short, what is 11 or 13 episodes for the whole series, they do have a movie out there too that adds on to it. I won't spoil it, but the movie kind of sucked a little bit, at least one part. Um, but yeah, this this is a movie, and I know that I'm super, I am super—I was super vested because I watched it when it first came out, then it got canceled, and I was part of the whole movement to help get it brought back, and then eventually it came back on DVD so we could watch the episodes we didn't get a chance to see. I could talk about the show for hours on end. I love the fuck out of it, but all I would say is if you're not sure that you're going to love it, just watch The first episode, the first hour, because the first episode technically is two hours. But just watch that first hour. And when it gets to the end of that, if you aren't vested, turn it off. But give it that first hour, and I promise you, you will continue to watch. That's what I got to be.
1: Nice. So, yeah. like, And as I'm looking through this, I'm kind of thinking of other shows that could have been like honorable mentions. Like I feel like that 70s show could be an honorable mention, but I don't yeah. know, you know, as a almost 40 year old man, like how that would really stand the test of time. But I know that when it was on, you know, syndication, like that was a show that I used to watch a lot. And then mm-hmm. there was a show called October Road, which was like a two season show that I really enjoyed, but it was one that got canceled. And then obviously there's a Medical show called The Resident that I watch with my wife that like we both really like, but that one can be kind of intense. So I don't know if that's one that you would really want to like binge versus like you get kind of that continuous feed of like here's one show a week and stuff like that. But yeah, yeah I mean, there's lots out there, like you said. So
0: it just kind of depends what you're what you're looking for. How you want to spend your binge weekend?
1: Yep. All
0: so, right. I think we're, I think we're good on random rankings. Um, I think Emily already made a decision that Brian wins just based on Schitt's Creek alone. Uh, If anybody has any other opinions, please let us know. Or if you're listening or watching after the fact, let us know what you think. If there are some shows that we missed that should absolutely be on there, let us know. And if you uh, want to tell me how brilliant I am that I put Firefly on here, because it's the greatest show ever, by by all means, please let me know. Uh, With that, let's transition over to the, uh, the, the, whatever is called the extra point and B I'm going to let you go first.
1: So before I get into an extra point, I've been told that I'm supposed to watch community as my next bingeable show, but I haven't watched that one yet. So I don't know if I can vouch for it, but you know, as we're thinking about the extra point, one of the things that has been important this last week in the state of Wisconsin is we're coming out of the deep freeze a little bit. We've had some temperatures that have been above freezing and, some of the snow is starting to melt, and there's progress in terms of, you know, vaccine distribution, and different groups are starting to become eligible for the COVID vaccine. And, you know, with that comes a lot of hope, but with that also comes a lot of anxiety, because it's one of those things where you think of, okay, so now if it's going to be spring, and I can leave the house, and I might be able to get this vaccine, and that's all great. That also means stuff like a return to work and to return to some of these expectations where, you know, I'm going to have to be commuting for two hours, you know, both ways every day and things like that. But I think I'm trying to hold on to the optimism of the fact that we've made it through another winter. We've made it through another part of this COVID season. And we're doing the best that we can. And I see that I have a wonderful graphic on screen to illustrate my extra point because what I want to leave you loyal listener with is to think about when you have a situation where you can look at the good and you can look at the bad, I want to encourage you to look at both. But then I also want to encourage you to find the silver lining and then try to move forward the best that you can because life is too short to not give yourself credit for the things that you're doing. Life is too short to not take the chances that you want to take. And life is too short to not appreciate where you are, where you've come from and where you can go.
0: All right. I like it. That's a good point. Glad you saw the fancy new graphic that uh, I put together for us for our extra points. I thought I'd uh, shake that up a little bit. Looking great. Uh, as often tends to happen here, uh, I might have piggyback off a little bit because you kind of, you, right at the end, you kind of slid in just barely into the direction I was going to go, and that's uh, focusing on the good. and And this comes to mind for a couple reasons. So, I talked a little bit in the uh, random rankings about watching Queer Eye and the fact that that show yeah, is really it's it's a bright spot. I find in a lot of ways because it it's a bright spot because it sees. It shows people helping other people. It shows people who are being open and willing to being helped. Um, there's a very emotional piece around that. And it, it's, it's just, it's always, a, it's always a feel-good moment when I get a chance to watch that show. Um, also, I talked a little bit earlier on the podcast how we really should focus more on some of the positive things. There's a lot of good in this world. There really is. I know I have a tendency to look at the bad stuff, look at the negative stuff. Um, I know that we we have a tendency at times to to focus on that a little bit too much here on the podcast because those are things that we feel very passionate about and we want to speak out about right because when somebody you know puts a, a hate filled poster up on her wall to to you know poke and 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 you know try to bug the person who works across the hall from them that's something that we want to speak out against because it, it, it's a horrible thing and it shouldn't be happening. But what we're doing is we're really amplifying some of the negative voices too. So I think it's very important that while we continue to speak out against that garbage that needs to be spoken out against, it's also super important that we on this podcast, but all of us, I think, look for those positive things. And one of the things I started to, shape, to, to change over the course of the last two or three weeks when setting up things for this podcast is I specifically have a couple of places that I go that have positive stories. That's their focus. That's their only focus is positive stories. And I try to pull those things and throw them into our our list of topics to cover. And I think that that's important for us to continue to do here for the podcast. But more importantly, I think it's important for all of us to do outside of this podcast, right? Because it's so easy to get hung up in the ugly stuff. The fact that I, you know, I work 70 hours this week and I'm exhausted, or the fact that my health hasn't been great and, you know, I've been exhausted for a month and a half now. About the fact that it's winter and, uh, you know, it's it's just, is it ever going to end? It's cold and frigid and snowy. Well, as Brian said, it's starting to warm up. Hell, I sat outside for an hour today and it was perfectly fine. You know, I'm starting to feel a hell of a lot better over the course of the last week or two, which is great. Um, And I don't remember what the first one was I said, but you know what, there's a positive spin to that too. So I think it's important that A, we're looking for those positive stories, those positive interactions, those positive feelings as much as we can. and when we get stuck with those things that aren't very positive, which I remember now I'm working 70 hours a week. Well, you know what? It's Friday and I get to take a break. I get to relax. I get to put my feet up and maybe I'm going to binge Firefly for the 743rd time because it is after all the best show that was ever made. <laughs> That's what I've got to be.
1: Well, that sounds good. And now that you've plugged Firefly, we are going to plug our socials because if that, uh, fine individual is out there who wants to tell you about their love of Firefly, they can find you on Twitter at skonzi. If you want to talk to me about wrestling or television shows that I should watch that I probably won't, you can find me at Landmark MKE. If you'd like to follow all things about this podcast, you can do that on Twitter at AQ underscore P-R-O-D. You can find the video of this podcast, podcast on youtube if you look for Sconzi, now be sure oh, that boy. you look for the man that's purple with a cigar in his mouth because apparently uh, from what i found this week there's another Sconzi out there and he's using amazon sidewalk to try to take your money that's so, right he's a
0: fake don't
1: fall for it so make sure that you look for uh Sconzi on YouTube. You can also find Sconzi on Patreon. If you would like to hear the new drop for the We Random podcast, we'll unveil that for our patrons on the extra time. You can find this podcast in your favorite podcast app if you search for We Random. And if you ever want to just talk to us, just hit us up. We're not scary. We're fun people. And until next time, do you have any last? dad jokes or wise words for the people, Christopher?
0: (laughs) Uh, I don't, but spend some time this weekend smiling and laughing.
1: Sounds great. Well, until next time, be safe, be happy, stay hungry, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. Night, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Nerds!